The following program is being broadcast on the Amazing Women of Power, the world's leading positive programming network, powered by Raven International. This show contains motivational language and may not be suitable for negative listeners. Mine's made up to give voice to a wonderful woman, a wonderful Christian, a wonderful songwriter, and a lady who influenced my musical creativeness by inspiring me in the 80s, though I didn't even know it at the time. How you doing, everybody? My name is Dean Olson. I am the songwriter on the radio. It's my goal to keep songwriters and artists musically fit, and the way I love to do that is through faith and encouragement and by learning from the best in the business and passing it along to you. And all those taglines apply to my next featured guest, a very special lady, Bunny DeBarge. This interview is very special to my heart because Bunny is now my friend. She and I talked a few times before uh, the interview you're about to hear, and she helped me as I was going through some challenges with my health. She was there to pray for me. She didn't even know me. But I reached out to her because I heard that she had some new music. When I heard it, I was blown away on how wonderful she sounds today. The DeBarge name, of course, is world famous. She is the self-proclaimed lone sister of the Motown supergroup DeBarge, famous on the R&B and pop charts for songs like In a Special Way, All This Love, Time Will Reveal, and accelerating in 1985 to songs like Rhythm of the Night, which is the title track to an album which became their third gold album. Anyway, this is all trivia and fun musical facts, but I always loved the DeBarge family, uh, from Bobby and Tommy being in the group Switch in the 70s. And then the five I was used to seeing in DeBarge were Randy, Mark, James, L, and Sister Bunny. And though we've now all come to understand that they had a lot of trials and tribulations and they went through some hell on this earth behind the scenes, you know. To me, it was always the music that drew me to this wonderful family. Not just the phenomenal singing, but the chords bass lines, and the wonderful songwriting. Oh, my gosh. And we're going to find out just what songs Bunny was responsible for in the group. She wrote or co-wrote a lot of my favorites, including maybe her magnum opus, <laughs> which was called A Dream. I love it, but I love her more, and I want to share her with you right now. So here we go, the incomparable and wonderful Bunny DeBarge. I'll talk to you right afterwards. Bunny DeBarge, it's so nice to have you on the show. How are you doing today? How are you? Uh, wonderful. It's wonderful to talk to you again. I just was looking at my notes. You and I talked, and uh, you are such a wonderful woman to talk to on the phone personally. I wish I could have uh, shared some of what we talked about. <laughs> you may not even remember, do you? <laughs> yeah, I know. 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 I know.
Yes, I do. We had an interview then. Yeah. Did I have the tape rolling? <laughs> yeah. You know, all I know is I wanted to get to know you after speaking to you a few months ago. You seem like great, such a great, great. You just seem like such a sweet lady, and uh, I always enjoyed your songwriting and and the work you did with your brothers in DeBarge. That's one of the reasons I reached out to you. I think it was so wonderful to see that you were creating music again. And thank uh, you. I, I, I'm honored that you even mentioned, you know, that you um, uh, respect my songwriting. A lot of people don't know I did the songwriting in the barge. Oh, no, of they course. They just know me as the long sister. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I started with Switch, actually, being. Yeah, the group um, Switch. I have yeah. a, a big catalog with Switch as well as with um, the barge. Uh-huh. Yeah, that was, uh, that was pretty good. Did you get started with them right off the bat? I think it was 1976 that you and your brother, I mean, uh, your two brothers got involved with uh, Jermaine Jackson, right? Well, no, actually, Bobby and Tommy. Bobby and Tommy, uh, right? Mm-hmm. It's the oldest ones were the first ones to go out to California. Um, Bobby started with White Heat, and then that group broke up, and then they uh, formed another group called Switch, which Tommy got in, and then they went to L.A. and um, was introduced to um, Jermaine and um, and Hazel Jackson. It always helps to know somebody that's really famous to get the, get the ball rolling. Uh, they did... They did very well with two albums, I understand. Yeah, well, it's more than two albums. I think they got five albums. Yeah, they're still together, you know, at, l- at least the original members, not not your brothers anymore. One right. Of them, Bobby's One not... Of them, Bob- Bobby is deceased. Yeah, Bobby's not with us anymore. I, we talked about that before. He... Uh, he died uh, in a sad way right. <laughs> for everybody. Mm-hmm. He told me he died of uh, AIDS in uh, in the mid nineties. That was uh, that was a sad way to go out. Yeah, but he but was. He a- gave back to the Lord, so I, I'm, I'm, you know, I am um, confident that he's with, with, you know, in a better place. Yeah. <laughs> now he was troubled, though, wasn't he? Yes, he was. Yeah. Uh, and- we had a very troubled childhood and uh, never dealt with anything, and just went out into the world. And, um. Did secular music. We started out in church, and um, Bobby never was into church like um, the rest of us were. Uh-huh. But um, he was raised, you know, in church. But when he went out and um, wanted to do secular music, we wanted to follow, but wasn't sure. We started out with um, uh, gospel. Wanted to do gospel. We were searching for a, a contract with Light Records. And they didn't know where to place us, so we were like, well, my brothers are out in California, and they're doing good with Motown Records. Um, let's go there. So that's what we did. quite a big uh, label to deal with uh, so and yeah. uh, and it did very well for you but w- we can get to that a little bit later what i was concerned about right now was the um you know you you wrote a book and you're very candid in the book that you wrote called the kept ones well you go into a lot of detail about your family and uh you know you, you barely scratch the surface of what uh, you and your brothers did in music but uh i was just curious what uh 
Well, that's in book two. That's in volume two. It's a three-book series thing. Oh, wow. Um, the first book was of, um, of my beginnings, as I saw through my eyes. Mm-hmm. I'm the oldest under the Barnes clan, so I think I'd be the one to write. We start, I started, this idea started when Bobby was still alive and we were going to do this book. Uh-huh. And I promised him that I would carry on. So that's what that's about. Uh-huh. The first book is the beginning of the Catholic ones. The second book is the same year. And that'll be out in August. Um... The third book is, is The Victor, how I got through all that. I got to get them all. It's, it's got to be a collection now. <laughs> yes. Are they all called the, this one's called The Kept Ones Volume 1. Are the other ones going to be called that same thing? Or? It's going to be called Volume 2. Volume the 2. Same year. So mm-hmm. what, what does that refer to? What are the kept, who are The Kept Ones? The Kept Ones are, I, I, you know, that's a good question. Um, it was what was given to me uh, as I wrote the book, when I started out writing the book. I was writing it for me. Like I said, I started, me and my brother were supposed to be writing a book together, and um, my brother passed before that happened. But um, I was going through things, through the drug problems, through the um, loss of my family. My family, you know, we had separated, even more separated when Bobby died. Uh, the group broke up, and um, I was just going through... Things of, uh, of trying to never, never, we never dealt with anything, with anything from our childhood. So um, I surrendered and I gave up. I said, God, I don't want to die like this. Um, I know you and I believe in you. I don't believe in church, but I believe in you. Yeah, I was in the church and was hurt by church people and all that, but I believed in God. I always did, and God was always there as my Savior. Um, so I told God that he, he was who he said he was, he needs to come see about me. And the Lord um, inspired me to write, and I went back to write, basically just for my healing, um, to have last cries, and um, uncover those things that I had hidden with drugs and all that. And I went back in my addiction, actually, to start writing. And um, as I let go of things and had my last cry, some of them I repeated it, took a time. I mean, I started this book ooh, about 10 years ago. Uh-huh. Um, so uh, it took time, but I went back with God, believing only in Him, and um, searching God, looking looking in God's Word for things that I could hold on to, the promises. And it was healing for me. It was healing, and God helped me to understand when I did not want to understand. He helped me to deal with those things that I thought were right, not the things that I thought were wrong. Um, the things that, you know, were products of our environment. And um, I just gave all that up, what I thought I knew. And... Um, that's what he spiritually Well, that's so beautiful. What? When did? Uh, when did you finally give it up to God to you know to surrender your will to Him? Always years. It was years. As you say in the book, um, how I started off when we get off. But I, the book starts with me um, coming back from the group being disbanded and coming yeah. back back home, and um, that's when I think I planted the seed. Then, Lord, I need you to help me. You know, um, I was coming back home with no money, no place to live, um, going back to my mom's house. And uh, the group was all broken up. I was hurt and, and, and living in shame and 
and um, planted the seed that day, but it was many years. I mean, I'm still going from glory to glory. Oh, I understand. But it was many yeah. years before I really um, gave up. I think what I really did was, I don't know, we did a Dr. Drew show not too long ago, maybe about four years ago. Uh-huh. And um, I had gotten up many times and we went to um, drug programs. And um, also had gotten up and pretend like I was okay, but I hadn't dealt with anything, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that we, you know, Christians, a lot of us, um, get up and say, okay, uh, blessed and highly favored and, and everything's okay and we really haven't dealt with anybody. Just knowing God is our Savior and not our Lord. But when I gave up and I said, Lord, I want you to be my Lord. I want to know what it is for you to be Lord of my life. You've been my Savior all my life. And I studied what was, what master was, and and I knew I had to believe um, in something. We all have to believe in something. My my higher source, my, my source, and um, it was uh, delivering for me. Well, that's... Uh, yeah, I, you know, I don't want to be cliche, but praise God that you did that, uh, because... Uh, you sound yeah. so you sound so bright and shiny today. I, I, oh I, yes, I mean he has brought me from a mighty long way, and and like I said, I had to deal with those things that I thought were right. My love, my forgiveness, my sharing. Um, nobody could tell me uh, that I didn't have that right, yeah. and um, but God, and uh, when I began to really study on that and and really want to know, I was just at my wit's end. I didn't want to live anymore, and I didn't want to live anymore like that. And yeah. I said, okay, if you are who you say you are, um, come see about me. And he <laughs> came to see about me, and it was, only he could do that. You know, we can only change when we see the change. And God took the blinders off my eyes, and I could see. Um, all he wanted me to do was depend on him and totally do that. And it was it was deliverance for me. So you'd been through several drug treatment before. Why do you think this one stuck? Did you finally just throw down the gauntlet or throw down the uh, <laughs> what do you call it you know you said this is well, gonna you drew a line in the sand that's what I wanted to say I, I would pretend within those drug programs oh I'm alright and then I'm dealing with things but I hadn't dealt with things yeah. I, you know, I carried a lot of shame I walked in a lot of condemnation uh-huh. um, it all looked so overwhelming to me but when I totally gave up and said I cannot do this I need you and I'm depending on you and I trust you that's when um God came to see about me. I mean, he was there already, you know. He covered me. He followed me till I could follow him, Dean. And uh, thank God for that. Wouldn't be here today, but I know that I am up today to be a mirror to family as well as to others, you know, oh, yeah. um, from where he brought me from. And I don't take that very lightly. I don't, there's a lot of hurt out there. There's a lot of people that feel they have nowhere to go. And um, I don't want to be that example. I'm curious is that, you know, when you say uh, you to admit that you need God in your life and that you need to do this, uh, was that a hard thing or an easy thing? It was it was. I don't think I even noticed it, (laughs) you know, um, as I was going through that, um, whether it was a hard thing or not, I was living, you know, but um, I knew him. I knew to call on him as my savior. Oh, Jesus, help me this. Help me that. Uh, Get me through this. But what was the difference was I wanted to know him as my Lord. I wanted to know what I could do for him. And um, I got off of me, per se. I mean, the Lord began to deal with me about 
how it was all on who was hurting me, um, why were they hurting me, and saw that I was hurting. I was the, the biggest person that was hurting me was me. Yeah. You know, we teach people how to how to treat us. And um, so once I mean I surrendered that all and said, okay, I, I give up all that I know. You know, mm-hmm. for what you know. And I'm going to believe this thing with my whole heart. And um, God honored that. And he came to see about me. And um, I'm here today because of that, because I, I, was, I was dying. And I was yeah. living dead, basically. That was, that's not living, you know. And uh, I feel all of us have a void inside of us, and we try to fill that with different things, but it's nothing like filling it with the Holy Spirit and yeah. being confident and knowing that he's there for us. And we all fall down, but that's what life is, you know. Uh, and and you, we all knew that. That's why he sent Jesus, you know. Yeah. That's what we went walking that condemnation because I was like, it was nothing that I could do. I couldn't do it. I kept failing. I kept failing. But when I really got that Jesus did that for me, you know, didn't give me a license to to go ahead and keep on doing those things because you know I was forgiven already. No, but I didn't want to. I wanted to serve a God that loved me that much, you know? Yeah. Well, who else is reading this book? I know you put it out there for, for the public, but do are, are people in the family or anybody else, have they read it and have they uh, come to you and talked I, about that? I don't that? think that people in the family have um, taken it as serious. They think I think they might say, oh, I know the story, you know, I live the story or whatever. Yeah. But um, I do want them to read it, and if they never read it, um, I'm walking the life. They can see it, you know, um, see the difference in where, and, and how it was deliverance for me. But my goal, um, Dean, is that uh, this book becomes a movie. And um, that is happening. It is a script. And um, I do have some producers out there, some oh. people that are going to finance it into a movie. And that it would be um, something, an avenue for me to get my family together. And um, have jobs for them, you know. Hire my brother Al as producer, and uh, the second generation as actors, and um, bring this whole thing full circle because I believe the anointing is on the family. Yeah, wow, that's wonderful. Um, we sort of uh, backed into maybe not accidentally, but we we talked a little bit about the drugs. That was uh, at least we know that the story uh, in 2015. Or 2014, when uh, you published the book, at least we know it has a uh, somewhat happy ending because you're here and uh, you sound great. That's right. That's right.
So Bunny, what uh, what I'm really curious about is uh, who are you? <laughs> who is Bunny DeBarge? And uh, we we know that if anybody can look up online and see your biography, and sometimes I'll cheat and look at that just to make sure that I have everything correct. You told us that you were the oldest of uh, ten kids. That's right. And you're sort of uh, not a blended family, but you you have half brothers and sisters that from you know another, right? Yeah. Yeah. Sister from another mother. 
<laughs> you're, na- you're named after your mom, uh, Ederlene, right? Named after my mother. My father named me Ederlene, and uh-huh. my mom named my brother Bobby, who's not right next to me. Um, we're not even a year apart, but uh, <laughs> um, she she named him Robert. Um, I don't know about like that, but hey, hey. here it is. <laughs> <laughs> but no, but you're not. Here's what it is. <laughs> but in your <laughs> in your personal life, you're always uh, referred to as Bunny, aren't you? That's right. Yeah, well, that was a child. Yeah, and you were, uh, and you told him this before. But why are you, uh, Bunny? Uh, my aunt, my aunt Claire, my mother's sister. Mm-hmm. Um, they had bought this big rabbit when, and I was born near Easter, so they had bought this big Easter bunny. And um, I was very fond of that Easter bunny, and I guess they got tired of calling me Erlene. It was very hard to probably to say, and then they had my mom. Yeah. So they said we'll name her Bunny, and and it kind of stuck with me. So I've been Bunny all my life, even my school. You know, teachers would say, um, I would even tell them, call me Bunny. <laughs> I was, I didn't like my name at all. I thought Ederlene DeBarge was weird, and it was back in those days. Very much, you know, now we go through the different names, and it doesn't matter. But um, uh, when they were called, they called me on the intercom one time, Ederlene DeBarge, would you come to the office? And everybody turned around and went, who's that? And I did not answer. <laughs> yeah, that's not me, is it? <laughs> no. <laughs> So my teachers knew me as Bunny and um, my brothers, and everybody called me Bunny, and it, and it sucks. But you know what? Recently, I have been really um, not mind to be, I, mean, I don't mind to that I'm called Ederlene. I'm older now, and I really think I've grown into the name Ederlene. Well, you, you kind of when you uh, professionally, when you would like, you know, publish some of your music, you would do that under that name, right? Yeah. That's my legal name. And right. when and when uh, you were talking about your teachers, when they would uh, do roll call, were they would they say DeBarge Bunny or, or <laughs> they would say Ederling. Yeah, they good. Ederling, but in in the class they would say Bunny. Um, but um, a lot of the my elementary school, you know, the kids that I went to in elementary school, and I see them today, they still call me Ederling. Oh, no kidding! Uh, <laughs> wow, <laughs> it's just interesting what the. You know what's in a name, you know, but uh, yeah. <laughs> as long as as long as Bunny has a a, a a great, you know, evokes a great feeling and, and a, you know fondness, that's what's good. As long as it wasn't made as a a, a joke, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. yeah, it has been that and Ederlene. I think they joked with me with Ederlene more than anything. <laughs> <laughs> so growing up, uh, you're pretty candid about how what it was like when you grew up. Uh, there's stories of abuse, and that's. That's a very sad thing to go through. Is that sort of what it led up to uh, you eventually getting uh, into the drugs when you became like, like around, what was it, 15 or something? Well, I don't want to say that that's what made me get on drugs. I had my own choice. I think that um, it was something that supplemented the feeling that I had in growing up in church and in knowing God as my Savior. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that God was um, upset with us because we, you know, we were taught that... Uh, to sing second music was devil music. And um, <clears throat> so I felt when we decided to go out <clears throat> into the world and sing the secular music, that we were, uh, God was mad at us. And yeah. Um, yeah. so I put my Bible on the shelf, and uh, I didn't seek God anymore, just, just for, for my Savior, just when I got in trouble or whatever. Um, and I kind of understood the tone. So um, it was a thing to do back then in those days, being... Um, uh, smoke one and love the one you with. Um, it was the thing to do in in um, in the music industry. It yeah. wasn't, you know. Uh, 
I did, you know, is today. Oh, no, it's a no, no, not to do that. It was a thing to do, you know, back in those days. And it started with just a recreational thing. And then I uh, seen that it kind of numbed the pain that I was going through, the stuff that I had never dealt with in my childhood. So, um, you know, I, I want to mention, you haven't mentioned, you know, that I was raised, and my father's white. Right. And um, my mother's black. And in those days, that we didn't see that, you know, it's, it's, um, it's prevalent today, but um, it wasn't something that we seen back then. And uh, so it was a lot of um, teasing from peers and, you know, children can really be uh, mean. You know, they say just what they feel. Right. Um, a lot of things come from their parents. But um, And my father was very abusive to us. So um, we never dealt with, with our, with our, um, with our childhood, and I think that going out into the industry and, and and not knowing really what that was all about, not even knowing what the world was all about, I thought it was the thing to do. And I've seen that um, uh, all the things that I hadn't dealt with in my childhood, that it numbed some of that pain. Yeah. So it became something that I uh, depended on. Instead of going to God, I was going to my drugs. I wish I could relate to that. I I never was into that, but uh, I always have a you know a softness in my heart for those who had to go through that. Uh, it's a painful thing. I know it helps, but uh, in no, the long run, it doesn't. No, because go back and get it the next day. You know. Yeah. And I don't, I don't think anyone says, "Well, I'm going to grow up to be a drug addict." You know, That's I'm right. going to get addicted. You know, um, no one says that. Um, you just start out, like I said back then, it was a little recreational thing. You know, but um, <clears throat> it gets bigger. It started with a cigarette and then a joint and then, you know, taking pills and a uh, pill to stay up and a pill to, to go back down, you know. So yeah. um, then I got cancer. You know, I had uh, breast cancer. So Oh, no. I didn't that, I didn't. Uh, I, I forgot about that part. How um, that was very tough. Yeah. yeah. And that kind of, you know, being that I had had a history of drugs, um, the medication that I got on from, you know, from uh, having an operation and stuff caused me to even get deeper. And um, that's when I went into um, uh, sober drug, heroin. Wow. And um, took the heroin to uh, numb the pain and uh, uh, took the, did the cocaine to um, uh, kind of like <laughs> uh, keep me up, you know? Yeah, so. those, those will grab you and not let go, will they? Yeah, yeah, they will. Gosh. But, you know, and it took God. It took God. You know, I've been there. I've done that. And um, and the only one that could really help me was uh, was God. And dealing with those things and knowing that he was there with me to um, help me to understand them. Help me understand what I couldn't, didn't even want to understand, you know, yeah. what I didn't want to understand. And I can't give anybody the glory but him because... um. I tried to do it myself, you know, even when I, even in my addiction, I tried talking to my mom and why this and why that, but that wasn't helping. Nobody was, nobody wanted to hear it. Nobody wanted to hear that stuff, That's you know? right. Yeah, it's tough. Um. <laughs> and it's, uh, it's kind of curious that you and I are talking about this so much, but for some reason I don't feel depressed. You seem almost at peace, you know, talking about your past uh, experiences. Well, that's when you know you're over it, you know? Yeah. Um, when you can talk about it and, and, and not cry and, and all that, there's many times when I've talked about it before, believe me, when I was crying, feeling sorry for myself, but I, I turned it around and I said, you know what, this did not come to, to break me, this came to make me. My God knew my book. He wrote my book before I was born, yes. and he sees me finished. And um, this happened in my life for a reason. Maybe it happened to, 
me for you so I can tell you that you can get through. This is the way of the world. These things are going on in the world today, you know? Um, And it takes a person that's been through it to help somebody that's going through it. So I've turned that around. Um, I could have either either, uh, stayed pitiful or be powerful, and I choose to be powerful today. so blessed that you uh that you're on the show we're having such a good time here <laughs> i hope you are because i am oh yes yes you, you yes I, I i'm a servant i'm a bond servant for the lord i speak my testimony god has given me the grace to do that mm-hmm. you know because it's not easy to you know secrets keep you sick and you want to stay in them secrets and um but when you expose expose it it has nowhere else to go so um god has given me the grace to do that i haven't always had that grace you know, like i said it took me a while to write the book um and then, then when he told me when we put it out there, I was like, oh, my God, I'm, I'm putting out all my stuff, you know? Yeah, you're transparent, but, yeah. <laughs> it's going to help someone else get through. This is going on in the world, and I think that um, sometimes churches aren't um, equipped to know what to do uh, with people that are going through these types of things. Wow. So um, I would like to even, you know, be involved in uh, groups, you know, of uh, women that are abused, women children that are abused. Um, that's, oh. you know, that's your message, your message, and I, that's the I was in, so I have a message. Yeah. That's wonderful. Before I uh, go to the break, you talk a little bit about Grandma in the book. Uh, she's finally mentioned. Uh, could you tell me a little bit about Grandma and who, how she played a role in your life? Well, Grandma played a big role in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe that Grandma knew more than what she was saying. Um, that she knew about what we were going through as children. and uh, She had a lot of grandchildren, but she kept me close to her. And I'm, I thank God for that because she taught me who her God was. Um, I knew who Mama taught me who her God was, too, but I kind of didn't have a lot of faith in Mama more than I did Grandma because Grandma would take up for me, and she was the one that stood up to the boogeyman in our lives, which was our dad. Mm. And Dad would melt when she would say, hey, that's enough. She was a very plain um, spoken woman, but she was very quiet and, and meek, you know, and a lot of times I uh, think that um, her meekness was a uh, mistake for uh, weakness. And so, but she, I seen my grandma stand up to my dad one day and I saw daddy back down and that was something I had never seen. So um, that stayed with me. It stayed with me who her God was and the faith that she had that she installed in my mom which my mom also installed in me. Um, something that I kept, you know, um, throughout my life. I always believed that there was a higher power God. And um, not just because they told me, but because I felt him in, in many circumstances. And I called on him and believed that he would come, and he did. So um, I'm full circle today, and um, I'm working for him. I'm a kingdom worker. <laughs> oh, how nice. I like the way you put that. <laughs> okay, I'm going to take a quick break, and then uh, when, when I come back, I sure would like to hear uh, about uh, the music, you know, past and present. I'd love to hear what you're doing right now. So can you stay with me, and we'll do it real quick? 
Yes, I will. Thank you. Bunny DeBarge, everybody. And she is delightful. Real quickly, because I'm going to have to get going here, please go to uh, Bunny's website. It is bunny-debarge.com. And you can get all the information on her book, The Kept Ones. You can download a single that you just heard, God is Good. It's become a classic favorite of mine right now, I'll tell you that. You can look up uh, the discography and find out all the songs that Bunny has written. Pick out your favorites. Bunny will be back with me next episode, so please tune in and you got to hear the rest of it. There's a lot more surprises coming up. So until then, this is Dean for Strong Rider on the radio saying, let's all put our best pens forward and be strong riders together. And with that, God bless, take care, and we'll talk to you next time. Goodbye. You've been listening to Strong Rider on the radio with your host, Dean Olson, on the amazing women and men of power. World's leading positive programming network powered by Raven International.